Welcome to The Watchmen. Here you go, Lamplighters. It's Watchmen episode 90. That's right. We enjoy the big round number two. Coming up in this episode, let's strike. Broke states, broke promises. Ebola and exposing yourself nationally. Remember, now, those sage words of Master Showman P.C. Barnum. And we'll always leave them wanting more, guys. Much like the Cardinal defense, Quaid cracked under the stress this week. And I, Sean Seacrease, was the first to answer the bullpen phone to fill in. Say, how'd you get this number? When I introduce you this week, please share your favorite word or phrase that's used to denote an approaching end. From the morning meeting, Honey Bri Bri, Brian Nichols. Onward and upward. Bob Goff, QuincyGeneral.com. Good night and good luck. Denise Donnelly, WTAD News and Ag. That's a wrap. I'm Sean Seacrease from the morning meeting. I'll take all good things must come to an end or denouement. Here we go. Buckle up. Let's strike, baby. Last Sunday night, the employees of the Quincy Public Library rejected the library board's contract proposal and decided to strike. Library board president Jeff Van Camp declined to disclose the terms offered, and workers, well, they haven't shared what about the offer was unpalatable or what terms they're seeking. Meanwhile, Liberty School Bus drivers and monitors rejected a contract offer early this week. Now, those 12 have given the Liberty District a 10-day window in which to negotiate before they plan to walk off the job. Interesting to note, both the Quincy Library employees and Liberty bus drivers and monitors, members of the same local machinist union. Bob, are we to assume this is standard operating procedure, or is something else going on here? Well, first off, as soon as we are done with this show, I will take my son to karate, and then I will take him to his weekly visit to the Quincy Public Library. And if it is closed, I will uh, post uh, something on the journal about that, because I think Saturday is supposed to be the day. Uh, but uh, we'll get a first-hand report on that. Yeah, I do not think it is a coincidence that you just saw Quincy Compressor uh, earlier this year say we're leaving town and uh, taking about 150-some uh, machinist union jobs out. So the machinist union is uh, perhaps looking to uh, shore up its coffers a little bit and see if they can go to all of these smaller entities to try to make up the difference because it's going to be a pretty big hit on their union dues. So I certainly think there's some of that coming into play, and I just think it's incredibly tone-deaf by the library employees to do this. You just got a brand-new building that the taxpayers ponied up extra money for, and now on top of that you're like, thank you for passing that bond issue, city council. Thank you, taxpayers, for not raising a big stink and allowing us to get a beautiful new building. Now we're going to do this. This would be akin to should the school bond proposal pass, and then two years from now the Quincy teachers pull a stunt. So, so tone deaf. Denise, does your library card allow you to operate the drill press while you're there? They actually were going to make me be uh, charged $100 for my library card because I didn't transfer from the Minden Public Library. So they would have made some money off of me there. I guess my question is, why wouldn't you want people to know? The fact that they're being so secret about it makes people assume different things, rumors spread, and then all of the opinions kind of generated in the public. Because you know Quincy is just such a quiet town when it comes to rumors. So why wouldn't you want to disclose what you're asking for? And that goes for the Liberty bus drivers as well. If you, It makes me think that you're hiding something because of the fact that you won't tell us what you want. Brian Denise says the problem is delineation. 
I guess I'm not surprised that they're not disclosing the terms. But at the same time, what exactly do you want? Because you work at the library if you're a school bus driver. It's not like you go into those because those are lucrative careers and, geez, there's you expect to have some giant step in pay or benefits. It's just that's not the gig. And I am curious, but at the same time, I think the whole premise is flawed. In a rural school district, a lot of times the bus drivers do that as a side job. The point of the driving a school bus is to make a little extra money. Some, some do it as a main gig, but they're not doing it to, to get rich. And so now suddenly you've decided you want better pay or better whatever and if you understand the job correctly you're already using it just as a mechanism for side cash i mean maybe that's changed since i've been there but uh, you know i i understand it's probably different in a bigger area but not in a rural school district and so it's interesting to me that the machinists are have got all these folks unionized i think part of it goes back to what bob was talking about and suddenly we're justifying our existence and saying well we're going to get you a better deal because you've been slighted and it's all a part of justifying your existence and I think the end result of that being that whether they get better pay or benefits or whatever they're asking for regardless of that the community is hurt as a whole because they're the ones that are on the hook for it with the librarians on strike no one can tell me which Dewey Decimal to file this under question number two a broke state has broken its promise to deliver education funding Unfortunately, that's not front-page news in the state of Illinois. This past Wednesday, the Menden Unity School Board voted to close Greenfield Elementary because, and I'll quote Superintendent Brian Kurz, Illinois owes CUSD over $900,000, and that was the deciding factor. End quote. Luckily, through retirements and repositioning, as of now, no one in the district is going to lose their job because of Illinois' inability to follow through on its promises. Should state officials be promising money when they can't or won't pay? And Brian, is it still a great day to be a Mustang? It is still a great day to be a Mustang, Sean. Uh, not such a great day to be a gaucho, which is <laughs> which is the mascot of Greenfield Elementary. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. That's so offensive. <laughs> So state officials are promising money to everyone under the sun, uh, you know, whether it's private, public, whatever. Pat Quinn on his re-election tour is handing out money left and right, but he can't pay the money that they've already promised to the public school, which is a part of the obligations of the state of Illinois. And so I think that in and of itself, I hope people are smart enough to see that and realize it for, for what it is, because without going out and putting out a sign in front of the school that says, Pat Quinn, stop hosing us, State of Illinois, stop hosing us, which would also be mildly politically incorrect, I think, if they did that. But the, the point being, without doing that, they're still essentially saying that. When they say, we don't have this money, the state's not giving it to us, that that's who they're talking about. And so I hope people are smart enough to understand that. I'm kind of surprised that in all of this education funding talk in the gubernatorial race that Bruce Rauner's not going to these schools and standing up in front of him and going Pat Quinn owes this school this much money but he's promised that I mean, education funding has become a topic of debate but it's more so has Pat Quinn cut education funding it's not about cutting it it's about straight up not paying it in the first place Pat Quinn can cut the money in half of what it was if he's not paying it it doesn't matter he can raise it he could double it if he's not going to pay the bill, it doesn't matter. And that's where we are today. 
And my hope is that it has an effect in the upcoming elections. I don't know if it's going to because I don't know if people are recognizing this for what it is. Denise, would it be bigger news if teachers who weren't set to go into retirement were losing their jobs? I think so. But either way, it's still really big news. For the longest time in Minden, on the sign that's right on the main road, it had kept a tally of how much the state owes unity. It started pretty low. And now I think they've just given up posting it because it's so high and nothing's changing. The number keeps increasing. It is super disappointing to see that the state of Illinois will not deliver on its promise to even the schools. That's the that's the basis of our future, our kids. And we're not obviously putting enough emphasis on education. I really do commend the district for what they did. They kind of are going against what the state has set as a precedent rather than continuing to operate beyond their means. They're cutting costs in different way by shutting down elementary schools. They did that with Lorraine Elementary several years ago. They did it with Greenfield. And now the kids may be going to different schools, and it may be a little bit more cramped, but they are dealing with what they've been handed. So I commend them on that. Bob, much like a delinquent parent, do we need a court order to make the state pay? Well, I, I wish it was that simple. I mean, uh, you know, the Menden Uni School District is just, they're one of the ones that suffer from this. All the other school districts are owed money by the state. But uh, Pat Quinn, as, as Brian said, goes around on his, uh, you know, tour, his pre-election tour, handing out Christmas presents, whether it be to Quincy University. And, and don't get me wrong, I have a lot of friends at QU. I'm glad they got the money. But again, you're talking about a private institution getting a good chunk of money before a public institution, many public institutions getting taken care of. And of course, he was on his latest tour last week to go up to the Macomb Bypass and uh, that uh, other a bit of $35 million Christmas present for that funding, which I've never understood the concept there because if I'm a gas station owner or a, biz- or a fast food joint owner sitting there in Menden, uh, you know, all those people who are now going to be driving around us and all the traffic and revenue we're going to lose. Um, I just can't think, you know, that the, the, the community of Menden puts on a happy face for this uh, because you've got all these politicians and other people who are obsessed with highways who want this thing to happen. But I just don't see how it's any good at all to the community of Macomb. And again, this is not a good move for the folks up in northern Adams County, but it's just something they have to endure because uh, the state just can't handle paying its bills. Thank you, Bob. Coming up in Part 2, Ebola and National Exposure. That's the end of Side 1. Please tenderly lift the swing arm and flip us to Side 2. The Watchman. The Watchman. Hey, thanks for not scratching us on the flip. We're precious, you know. Coming up on Side B, Ebola, and the quince exposes itself nationally. Ebola. By now, I'm sure you know it's here. And by here, I mean in America. Finger-pointing over blame aside, how concerned are you? And what, if any, steps do you plan to take to stay Ebola-free, Denise? Let's first establish that Ebola is not an airborne disease. The way in which you contract the disease is if you come in contact with blood or other bodily fluids of an affected human or other animal. That being said, I'm not super concerned that I would come in contact with this disease. However, that helps because I'm not in the medical field and I don't spend a ton of time with people who are. However, I will say that I become a little bit scared with the idea that it could come to our area and affect those who deal with the ill because that's kind of one way in which it seems to be spreading. 
it seems that once Ebola hits, it hits hard, and like I said, it's hard to control. I understand those that are diagnosed with the disease need to be treated, but rather than fly them across the country, I wish that that treatment or person who can conduct the treatment would go to the infected person and keep them in one area. They could then be quarantined, and after assisting, then they could go back to where they came from and not have to worry about it anymore. And I know that they're trying to take temperatures at the airport from people who are coming from Africa, or West Africa specifically, but why not just maybe not let them come into the country for now. Bob Denise raises the idea of a uh, leper colony. We've got one left in America. Do we need an Ebola colony? I thought that was the plan of what Texas was supposed to be. I thought the national plan was just to send them all down there because it's the reddest state we have, and uh, that was the uh, president's plan was just to take care of that, but apparently that wasn't the case. I'm not too terribly concerned about it because the U.S. government's here to help. Our new Ebola czar is Ron Klain. If you don't know who Ron Klain was, he was uh, Al Gore's chief of staff. He was also the guy who was the lead dog for the Gore side in Bush v. Gore in the Supreme Court fight. His side lost. He is an absolute political hack. No medical experience whatsoever. He's been nothing but a Washington insider for the last 20 years. So, of course, that's who we should have on the job. We're the U.S. government. We're here to help. Brian, Bob says uh, we have a czar now for Ebola, even though President Obama said this week we don't need it, and he expressed the claims only there because of his ability to see, quote-unquote, complex operations to their end. With his appointment, I want to say I'm surprised, I guess I'm not, uh, but here is the problem with it. Here's what makes me more concerned about Ebola than I was before, and that's by appointing a political hack to this position. Basically, the president is acknowledging that something is going to go drastically wrong, and he needs somebody to put a fresh spin on it, a positive spin on it. That's all he needs. That's his main concern. Because apparently this thing is going to go very wrong, and come election day that could potentially impact the president. And so he thinks that he really, doctor or no doctor in the position of czar, he thinks he's just going to have to figure a way out of this. I mean, that's how he's operated. I I don't want to be so cynical, but I found it a little bizarre when Republicans were calling on the president, you got to do something. Why aren't you doing anything? Your response is terrible. And I'm not saying that it wasn't. I I just knew that when he did do something, we were going to criticize it. The problem is it's justifiable criticism. We might as well have just assumed that the president wasn't going to let us down and was going to put somebody in there that was deserving of such criticism. I don't know why I lost my way for a minute and decided that I was going to put on my bipartisan glasses because the president never puts those on. And so He's put someone in there that's going to accomplish nothing except for making sure that this is a uh, problem for the president that doesn't appear to be a problem for the president, never mind it being a problem for the entire country. Ebola has already proven to be a fiscal windfall for the Halloween costume industry. We'll see how the rest of the country handles it. Well, the Quince, we got some national exposure this week on Fox News' Greta Van Susteren. Tuesday, Police Chief Copley appeared and doled out the details of the upcoming Curtis Loveless, Loveless. Yes, Loveless, Loveless murder trial. It's been years since the media's eyes of the nation were focused on Quincy. Bob, is that a good thing, a bad thing, or do the pro wrestlers have it right? Don't concern yourself with how people react, just so long as they do. Well, I think, uh, you know, usually we just get the national media dropping in here when the river's, uh, you know, fast approaching City Hall. 
which it's really not. But uh, of course, this uh, this publicity isn't great by any means. It's uh, terrible for the family to have to go through this. But the bottom line is, it is news, and as long as it is news, uh, it is the media's job to cover that. I find it very funny that people who live in this community want uh, us to completely ignore the national media that is paying attention. We've seen several comments on the website about that. I've had people who've come up to me on the street and talked about it, and it's like, folks, it's here and it's happening, and it's very popular. It's it's starting to get talked about more. The stories that we link get huge traffic, and it's the way that it is. You know, again, but this just goes back to the problem of, of Quincy, you know, trying to be in its bubble, wanting to be this, uh, you know, perfect, quaint little river town. It's a nice little town, but it's just like everywhere else, and this story is going to draw in huge national attention. This is just the beginning. Just deal with it. Brian, should Quincy find some way to capitalize on the attention? Well, I think we already have, haven't we? We're already landing on these national media programs. People are following it, paying attention to it. I always enjoy this. I mean, yeah, I know the setting and the situation, the circumstances surrounding it are not favorable, but it's always fun to watch how the national media portrays... Yes, we end up in a poor light because it's surrounding a murder, but we don't, right? It's the, Quincy's not a murderer. Quincy's not the one that allegedly murdered this individual. It was the person that's been accused of it. And so that doesn't reflect poorly on this town. But what I'm saying is I always am interested because they've kind of set the scene and they they do that in all of these stories and how they portray... Oh, this former port city and all that. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a lot of stuff that we never even think about, and sometimes it's not even accurate. But I really enjoy seeing how outsiders view us, and whether it's good or it's bad, because it provides a different perspective that maybe people that never look out ever see. Denise, compared to Big Net, Quincy is the big city. You are correct. If anything happened there, probably not as many people would know of it. But, it, you know, you hear of things happening like Four. this. <laughs> Correct. It sucks that this is the way in which Quincy is going to be spoken about nationally for a while. I agree with Brian. It may sound rude. It may sound creepy. But I like to see how people react. The ways in which they paint a story of this town, sometimes they're completely off base. And sometimes they're right on. So the way in which Kurt has even been depicted in stories as being like, one of the leaders in this town, and so on and so forth. Now, granted, I don't know as much about the case, group, you know, growing up in Big Neck. So I haven't seen or heard as much of his influence, but national attention is national attention. Take it how you will. All right, time for last licks on Watchmen number 90. They'll put 30 seconds on the clock and try to contain you therein. Set a good example for us, Brian. I want to return to the Ebola topic. We get so wrapped up in ourselves here in the United States that we forget that in West Africa, the Ebola death toll has approached 4,500 people. We have one here from West Africa originally. We've got a couple of cases, and we freak out, and rightfully so. And so we're going to do what we need to do to insulate ourselves and to make sure that this doesn't get out of control. What we have to take into consideration is that it still continues elsewhere. And as long as it's continuing elsewhere, there's always a chance it's going to end up here. And so it's incumbent upon us to do what we can to see that it stops elsewhere. Otherwise, suddenly we're going to be this completely cut off from society country. And that's not going to happen. 
And so we need to maybe think beyond ourselves when it comes to some of this, whether it's Ebola or any other disease or disaster. Just because it doesn't happen here doesn't mean that it's not a major issue. Thank you, Brian. Denise? I want to go back to the school funding topic. Earlier, we discussed the fact that Illinois is not providing school funding. Oftentimes, you hear people ask the questions, either on social media or in person, if schools are really hurting for money so badly, why are they buying computers, doing different types of improvements for the school? Well, this shows a lack of understanding in the community. Usually, computers, technology upgrades, different improvements within the school are paid for with grants. Those grants are used for specific things and have to be used to purchase those things. The grants just can't be allocated for other types of items. Money from the state is used for day-to-day operations, and the fact that the state thinks that they can withhold this money from the schools is upsetting, and I think the general public should take more of an interest in knowing how it's run. Thank you, Denise. Bob Goff. Kansas City Royals are a wonderful story. They've yet to lose a postseason game, and here they are in the World Series against the San Francisco Giants. Yes, the Giants have knocked out my beloved Cardinals several times over the last few years, but you have to respect the job that Bruce Bochy does. He pushes all the right buttons. Ned Yost, on the other hand, he's a little quirkier about it, but hey, the Royals are there. So good luck to both of these teams. It should be a fun series. Thank you, Bob. This is the end of The Watchmen as you have come to know it. Sure, we'll be back next week for one final time, but in a vastly different format than our previous 90 encounters. This spot belongs to Quaid, the man who has shepherded this motley crew through these 90 episodes. And I'm woefully under-credentialed to take his place, but I'll try nonetheless. It's been an interesting journey. Thank you very much for taking it with us. We'll see you next time for the last time. When Bob will explain that civil war in the Marvel Cinematic Universe means... Don't ever doubt Captain America. All right. The Watchmen convene again in one week on WTAD. Podcast available online at WTAD.com. Ah!